Greetings, my friends, and welcome to the next episode of Hardwater Radio. This is the special edition of Highly Functional featuring Doctor of Physical Therapy, Brianne Showman Brown. Today we're going to be talking about all things developing better movement. So, Dr. Brianne, what's going on? Not too much, not too much. Just looking to educate some people on what movement means. And so what does movement mean to you? Movement to me it kind of is a loaded term as far as thinking about movement in general is just how we move our bodies. But when you look at quality movement, it's moving through full ranges of motion of what our body's potential is versus getting through this partial range because that's all we can do because we've gotten ourselves into very tight, stiff areas. And so it sounds like you're distinguishing movement between or, or you're dividing it into categories of quality basically like you're saying there's a good way to move or an efficient way to move or a not so good way or a less efficient way to move is that kind of where we're going with that yes correct so what does it mean to to you to have efficient movement like really good quality movement so the more efficient the movement is essentially you're using less energy to get through this movement. So mm -hmm. whether it's in your day-to-day -day life, and that means you can do more with your kids, you can do more around the house because you're just able to get things done faster, get things done with less energy, that's essentially quality movement for the day-to-day -day life. When you're looking at more of the athlete realm, the more efficient that movement is, the better, stronger, faster you're gonna be as an athlete because you're not using as much energy to obtain these movement patterns that are necessary. Certainly. So, I mean, there's a sport or there's, there's an activity that I think should be a sport, and that is seeing how many bags of groceries you can carry <laughs> in either hand without having to use a cart. You know? <laughs> it was funny. I was coming out of the store the other day, and they, they, ha they were selling plastic handles with hooks on them so you could hook bags on there because I guess people's hands aren't strong enough to actually hold on to the bags or something. <laughs> it's like, how far backward can we go in movement? <laughs> like, not only do we not have to walk around the store, we can ride the cart, but now we don't even have to put our wrap our hands around the bags. We just use a hook <laughs> and carry the hook to the car <laughs> or have someone carry the hook for us. But, uh, yeah, and assuming we don't continue to devolve as a species, back to an amoeba-like structure that can carry nothing, what does it mean to put into process this idea of developing better movement? What does your process specifically look like when people come to you and, and need help, for example? So I kind of have what I like to call three-step process in this, in this pattern or in this system. The things that aren't moving right, I get them moving better. So it's what I call mobility, which can be joint, it can be soft tissue, or it can be a little bit of both, which it typically is a little bit of both depending on the areas. Because of normal habits, postures, positions, most people maintain throughout their day-to-day -day life, there's some pretty consistent areas between individual to individual that I tend to address almost on a daily basis with every single person just because there are certain areas that just get tight and stiff on most people, which affects the, those movement patterns in almost everyone. From there, we move on to the stability aspect. What I mean by that is once we get the body moving to where its potential is, now we need to actually get it stronger in that position. So we can get someone's, say, upper back moving so it can actually extend and be upright and not that rounded posture position, 
but then we need to actually teach the muscles how to move it there and how to maintain it in that position because it's never been there before. Those muscles have never had to do that job before, so now they need to relearn how to do that job. From there, we have to then train the body how to get there as a habit. If you are picking something up, we need to get your body to know where it's supposed to be in space at any given time so you don't have to constantly be thinking about, okay, I need to hold myself in this certain position. Mm -hmm. Your body just knows as a habit, this is where I'm supposed to be. Right, and just for the benefit of Carson and Mary, we're gonna say the word proprioception because they like and love that word about where your body is in space at all times. So that one's just for you guys. <laughs> Maybe you could walk us through like a concrete example. Like you mentioned, I think, um, getting your shoulders back or sitting up straight, right? How, what, what would a concrete version of that process look like for a person who humps over a computer desk all day long? Certainly, I love this example because it's what so I common, see. So common, right? It's so common whether it's because of computers, whether it's because of driving whether it's because everything we do is in front of us. We're washing dishes, we're doing laundry, we're playing with the kids. Everything we do is in front of us, we just get in this rounded shoulder habit. So mm -hmm. that upper back gets very stiff, very tight, and it's a common cause of probably 95% of the shoulder injuries that really? we see. Wow. Because we need good extension through that upper back mm -hmm. in order to get full range motion with the shoulders. Mm. If we don't have that extension, Everything involved in that shoulder has to work harder in order to try to get the arms overhead. And I say try to get the arms overhead because you may or may not be able to get them overhead right. when that upper back is as stiff as it is. As far as with my clients or with my athletes at the gym, I start off by doing some different mobility techniques for the upper back. I typically will do some hands-on work in order to actually get that spine moving better and then I'll take them through different mobility drills in order to get their spine moving a little bit better as well. The upper back is an area, it's more of we need to get the joints moving versus needing to actually loosen up muscles. I will also use open up the muscles in the chest and get those lengthened because when we are in that rounded posture, the chest muscles do, and the front of the shoulder muscles do get tight. Right, they'll contract, right, over time? Correct. When you're going from, from um, you know, like a person who sits at a desk all day, like 90% of the people in the world, right, and you're, you're wanting to break this down for them, you had mentioned take them through the process of, of getting the mobility piece and then adding the stability piece and then applying the motor control, right? So if I am this person and I come to you, what does my timeline look like on this? To get really get that motion back, get that stability back, get that motor control back. It can be a good eight to 12 weeks, mm -hmm. but this is because we're also breaking down habits. That mobility potentially can come back fairly quickly, but retraining the stability in there and retraining these motor patterns, getting your body to really recognize that this is where your body's supposed to be, and also retraining the mental aspect habit wise of where you're how you know sitting postures and just movement postures throughout your day-to-day -day life in order to avoid those rounded shoulders and just maintain yourself in those better patterns is can be some time so during this time period that doesn't necessarily mean people are spending eight to twelve weeks with you but you're actually assigning them work to do behind the scenes Correct. Right? Correct. And, and they're, you're thinking that over the course of 8 to 12 weeks, if they're actually good at doing their homework, they can get there. Yes. Yeah. I say for most of my clients, I see them initially like one to two times a week, mm -hmm. giving them some good stuff to do in the meantime. And then once we get 
four to six weeks into it, I may back it down to, you know, once a week if I was seeing him twice a week, I may back it down to every two weeks and just letting them just spend some good time just really working their patterns in the gym. So it just kind of depends on the individual, but no, I'm, I'm not seeing them. I'm not the standard therapist as far as I need to see you two or three times a week for the next six to eight weeks. Right, because if people are actually doing the work, they don't need to, to show up at your office and pretend they've done the work. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right, fantastic. So the process that you took us through was basically regaining the mobility piece, getting the stability, in other words, the ability to hold those positions once you have the mobility to get into those positions, and then finally the motor control, being able to repeat that process over and over and over again. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, and so what is it that you would add to any of that for the person who is looking to go through this process or looking to correct a movement pattern, or is there anything? The biggest thing is I think so many people get caught up in this mindset of mobility is just getting that movement piece and once they get that movement piece down their problems are solved. I can say from experience that a year and a half ago I was really working on my mobility to prove my overhead squat positions for ultimately improving my snatch. Mm-hmm. I could hit my positions just fine slowly but once I added speed to that I was missing my positions every single time because mm-hmm. I hadn't learned that motor control portion of it under speed. It definitely is a training process. It's a slow process of going slowly through those patterns, learning those patterns, and then ultimately getting your body to realize these patterns under that speed. So there's a lot of patience required anytime you're doing any form of corrective movement. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Basically, basically, it seems to me that the reason so many people never get out of PT, it seems like the same people who are in PT are in it forever is that they don't have the patience to actually work through that. And I'm just wondering what your experience has been with a lot of times, or with, with some of the athletes or people that you've worked with, or even known who work with other people, who potentially spend more time in PT than they need to. There's a couple aspects with that. One, I think things are overlooked frequently by um, PTs. I see, I've seen a lot of clients after they've seen someone else, mm-hmm. or they'll reach out to me because they're still having issues while they're in PT with someone else. Mm-hmm. And just from conversations with them, I pick up on things that, you know, it's like, why aren't they addressing this factor when, you know, they're only getting like a mm-hmm. portion of the factor addressed. And so I think a lot of things are missed by a lot of other therapists. Along with that, people, especially athletes, tend to rush back. They're feeling 100% but that doesn't mean they are 100%. That doesn't mean those tissues are fully healed to where they need to be. It doesn't mean because you feel great at 50% of your one rep max that you're going to feel great at 85% of your one rep max. And so people just have to be patient, understand that there is a healing process and there's a time component to it. And the sooner you try to rush back, the further setback you may be. It seems also that there's this idea in the mind of some athletes or athletic people who tend to go into the realm of Cairo or PT for services, that in their mind that this is going to be a permanent you know, appointment that they have to keep. It's almost like the same, it's the same idea of the people who think the answer to every problem is in a bottle of pills. When in my mind, it seems like if you're going to a quality PT and you're getting the, the proper prescription of movements and you're doing the work, which I think is the piece that so many athletes miss, that at some point you should be doing the work and working your way out of PT into a state of wellness. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts on that are. I totally agree with that. 
My ultimate goal is to teach people how to help themselves. Once someone gets back to 100% again, hitting PRs even probably stronger, better, stronger, faster than they were before they even got injured, ultimately they should be able to maintain that point and maintain a good pain-free state by just consistent mobility, working on accessory work in order to maintain stability around the areas. Do people still get injured? Yes, things happen. It's part of the process of sports. But for the most part, injuries can be prevented because most injuries are just due to things getting tight, stiff, something else not working right, things compensating. Yeah, so it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, wellness obviously should be the goal. Like you should you should have this idea in your mind that ultimately you're going to be somewhat self-sufficient unless and until something breaks again or unless and until you have some sort of recurring pattern that causes you to break something again. And um, I'm just wondering what you think about that aspect of what it is that you do, getting people to wellness, and um, you know how that relates to maybe a GPP or general physical preparedness athlete versus, say, like a games athlete. The wellness aspect can be a wide range of things. Ultimately, I like to get people to a point that they're self-maintaining their physical state, essentially. So they aren't getting these injuries, they aren't getting constant pain issues going on, they're able to continue training. For the general population athlete, whether it be CrossFit or runner, etc. With that said, also have the understanding that you do need to take time to do that for yourself. These professional athletes that are out there, the CrossFit Games athletes, the professional marathoners, the paid professional sports um, athletes, they have their therapy, their massages, their other things to take care of their bodies. They take time to work on these other aspects of themselves, not just the actual skills involved in their sport. So it's important to understand that the fun part, the sexy part of the sport is working on those skills, on that strength, on those things you aren't good at. But you have to remember this, there's another component that has to be involved in this overall fitness wellness side of us. And that being wellness. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Dr. Brianne Showman-Brown. We appreciate it. And that's going to do it for today's episode, guys. Be sure and check out Dr. Brianne Showman-Brown's website at getyourfixpt.com. Check out CrossFit FSI or CrossFit North Phoenix if you want to jump in on a workout in hardwater.com for all your apparel needs. And until then, we will see you in the next episode of Highly Functional.